Welcome back to another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. And today we have the most special guest of all the episodes that we've recorded. This is the one that might make me the most emotional. It might be the one that means the most to you. And if you're driving to work right now, maybe it's Saturday morning, I don't know where you consume your podcast content, but I guarantee you this, after listening to this conversation, you will be in a different place emotionally, mentally, and attitudinally. Uh, we've got a young man today who has inspired literally millions of people across the globe. Uh, in my opinion, he's one of the most inspirational humans on planet Earth. He's an author, he's a speaker. He had a traumatic injury at a very young age that radically transformed his life. And Chris Norton has used every ounce of his story and his setback for good. Uh, I'm honored to call this guy a friend. We technically met several years ago in a brief moment at an event, uh, but I get to share a real, authentic, awesome conversation with Chris about his story, his life, and his mission to impact others. So, um, Chris, I couldn't be more excited to have you on the show, man. This means so much to me. It's been an emotional day preparing for this episode. I, I watched Seven Yards again. We're going to talk about Seven Yards, the documentary and the film that was made about your life and your journey. And um, I've shed some tears. Uh, I've thought deeply about my future and also my past and certainly have thought a lot about your story. And it is uh, just a real honor, man, to have you on today and share this conversation with you. Well, thank you, Jordan. I really appreciate you sharing all that. And um, it's good to talk to you and see you again. I know it's just briefly in the past, but it's just uh, fun to see you again and get to get to know you more. Well, we're both Iowa guys. We both grew up in a small town. Um, in fact, our high schools played each other, you know, way back when I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, we both married gals from Muscatine, so there's a lot that we have in common. Um, but you have a really unique story that is truly your own, um, and it is fascinating, inspiring, and we're going to talk about it today. And I want to start with the moment, and I want it to come from you, so I'm not going to spoil it for our listeners, but you had a really interesting transformational moment when you were in college as a young 18-year-old man that changed your life forever. And if you're listening, uh, if you played sports, I want you to put yourself back in, you know, the, the court or the football field. Think about, you know, when you were playing, um, just imagine yourself in this moment as Chris sheds light on his story. So, Chris, would you take us back to Luther College 2010 when you were 18 years old? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just kid with big dreams and plans. I ran out to the field on this beautiful fall day. The leaves are changing colors. It's low 60s. My family's in the stands, and we really need a comeback. We're behind Central College, and so our kicker hustles up for the kickoff, and he calls the play. Mortar, kick right, which simply is a short, high-arching kick to the right side of the field. And I don't know why he didn't just call it kick right, because our kicker was so bad. Every kick was short and high arching. But anyway, I'm pumped because I play on that right side of the field. I'm going to be in on the action. I line up. The ball's kicked. I sprint downfield as hard as I possibly can go. I see an opening forming. My instincts are telling me that ball carry. He's going to try running through that gap. I'm going to stop him. I'm going to drive my shoulder so hard through his legs. Hopefully, he'll drop the ball. I go for it. I collide with him at full speed, full force, but mistime my tackle just by a split second. Instead of getting my head in front of the ball carrier, his knee collides right with the side of my neck. The next thing I know, I'm lying on the field, motionless. 
listening to the players crashing to each other above me. The whistle blows, the pile clears off, but I can't get up. I'm trying to push off the ground, but no matter how hard I try, nothing's working. It feels like someone just flipped the power off to my body. I can tell the game is stopped for me. I'm feeling embarrassed at this point. I'm doing everything I can to just get off the ground. I don't want that kind of attention as being injured or needing help. I'm just waiting for this, what I thought was a stinger, but it was a spinal cord injury. I had no idea that this moment would drastically change my life moving forward. They called in for the paramedics, the athletic trainers. They're asking me questions. Chris, can you make a fist with your hand? I'm trying to make a fist. Nothing's happening. They're asking me, Chris, can you feel us touching your leg? I can't feel a thing. They keep asking these questions over and over again. It's starting to drain on me. I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. I try to see the glass half full. And I'm telling myself, stay calm. It's going to be okay. It'll all work out. Because everything up to this point has always worked out for me. Bad things happen to other people that you read about in the newspaper, that you watch on television, or maybe they're a guest on your podcast. But, you know, no way something bad's going to happen to me. And when I hear a paramedic calling for a helicopter, that's when I know this is bad. So the helicopter comes, you get whisked away to Rochester, and they fly you from Decorah to Rochester. Uh, there's a series of events that takes place at the hospital, and you're given a report. And they tell you there's only a certain percentage chance that you're going to be able to ever feel anything again, let alone walk, right? And it's 97% chance that you're not going to feel again. Um, I'd love for you just to take us into that moment, Chris, you are on the football field. It's a normal Saturday day, beautiful day in the fall. You wake up in the hospital, you know, uh, some things happen. Uh, doctor gives you a report. Could you just walk us through receiving that news and, and that experience? Yeah. I wake up after surgery, I'm blurry eyed, groggy thinking I just had the worst nightmare of my life. And then the surgeon comes in and confirms my nightmare is my new reality. He tells me, Chris, you have a 3% chance to ever move or feel below the neck. And you're right, that's not a 3% chance to walk. It's a 3% chance to move or feel, to scratch an itch on your face, to feed yourself. It's so much more than walking. And I'm trying to process this because Yesterday at that time, I was walking. I was suiting up for my college football game. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the hospital, paralyzed from the neck down with a 3% chance. I go from feeling numb to getting mad. I tell myself, no way, not me. This is not going to be my life. I will not accept it. I'm going to be part of that 3% who beats us. I will not be part of that 97%. And so I get going to work doing the only thing I possibly could do, which was to nod my head yes and no. I nod my head yes and no for hours. I looked like a giant bobblehead just bouncing <laughs> in my head all around. And I just kept doing whatever I could that day to get better with this desperation that you know, I have to get my life back. I have to get back to college and get back to you know who I was before. And I really, I didn't realize though that 
you know, God had a bigger plan for me than the plan I had for myself. Well, he sure did. He had a supersized plan for your life. And um, I want to talk about this journey, this road to recovery. And ultimately, I want to fast forward to where you're at today. But I want to start with your family, Chris. And I'm going to refer to Seven Yards, the documentary, the film that was made. It's a Netflix original that was made about your life and your journey. So I'm going to refer to that for our listeners. If you've not yet watched Seven Yards, you have to go watch Seven Yards. It's one of the best uh, pieces of TV one of the best shows I've ever watched is just incredible. There's so many life lessons. And I was, I was watching that, Chris, I, um, I texted my dad, I texted two of my friends just to say, Hey, I, I love you, you know? And, um, it made me think a lot about the closest relationships in my life. And, uh, I think your story does that for people. I think it brings them back to the things that are most important. And, um, I'd love for you to open up a little bit, maybe about, the relationship that you shared with your mom, your dad, and, and your sisters, and what you learned about the importance of family and close relationships, and, and especially the front end of your road to recovery. My family, oh my, they were everything. I could not have gone through what I've gone through without them. And honestly, one of the biggest pieces to anyone's resiliency are the relationships. I mean, if you can take on radical responsibility for your life. And then you can also couple that with family support. I mean, that's a, a recipe to get through the worst that life has to throw at you. And I definitely had that family piece because um, my dad, my mom, my sisters, they were by my side every single day, every single night. My dad was sleeping a cot next to me a very uncomfortable cop, but he was going to be there when I needed him to, to talk to me, um, to get some things off my chest because I couldn't sleep at night. It was awful trying to fight through all the fears and everything that was coming out of me with the uncertainty for the future. Like what's my life going to turn into? Will I ever go back to school? Will a girl ever want to be with me? Will I ever be a dad and have my own family and will I ever be happy because I, I could start listing through all the activities that I love to do and thinking I'll never experience them again. How could I ever go traveling, uh, camping, snorkeling, skiing? How could I ever go to one of my friend's house when every single one of their homes has stairs? And so I was just drowning in this doubt and this fear for my future. And thankfully, I had my dad there and my, my mom or one of my sisters, they'd read me Bible verses. They would talk to me. They would read me messages that people were sending to me. And it just poured so much life into me. And it gave me just enough strength to get through those nights so that when I can wake up in that next morning and, and start that day with just uh, a full of energy uh, to try to, to get better. Um, so I'm just so thankful to have that kind of support. I know not everyone can get that. And it really helped create gratitude as well uh, because I saw other people similar to my age in that hospital who their room was empty. Uh, they didn't have anybody really coming to see them like I did. I, I couldn't imagine going through my experience without that support. And so it really did help me appreciate as well just how fortunate I was, even in a situation where I couldn't move below my neck. Well, it's very obvious that you and your family share a really special relationship. The family that you grew up with, your two sisters, your mom and dad. And I think collectively, 
very clear they served as a coach and they served as cheerleaders and prayer warriors and they care for you and love you deeply. But you also had some other people that really coached you through the process. And you had this one moment with um, kind of an angel, right? This lady that leaned down by your bedside. And I've heard you tell this story many times, but I'd love for you to tell our listeners about this small moment that ultimately meant so much to you. There was a, a kind woman named Georgia who spoke some words of encouragement. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, I had four words completely changed my life. And it came on the fourth night in the ICU as I'm lying in bed around 2 a.m., not being able to sleep and it's not just a worry that keeps me up, but every two hours, someone does come in my room to check my vitals to make sure everything is in check. But typically when they come in, they're just checking the vitals and they leave. But this woman comes in and does something different. So she comes over to my bedside, gets down on one knee, and she says, Chris, look me in the eyes. And she was kind of mean about it. <laughs> I lock eyes with her. She's this short, slender woman reddish hair, glasses, in her 60s, but she's got this voice that sounds like she came straight out of a Western movie. And she says, my name is Georgia. I'm from Wyoming. Do you know anyone from Wyoming? I say, no. I'm thinking, where is this going? And she says, well, people from Wyoming don't tell lies. I want you to know you will beat this. You will beat this. I instantly break down crying. I needed to hear those words so badly because up to this point, I was questioning whether all the time and effort I was putting into my recovery, would it ever pay off? Am I wasting my time? But in this moment, she helped restore my faith and just the thing about Georgia was that she didn't just say, you can beat this. She said, you will beat this. I believe her. After that moment, I hear her voice in my head, just you will beat this. And every single physical occupational therapy appointment, I just give it all I've got. I really just discover how much impact one person, four words can make. Man, um, it's been said that words create worlds. And, you know, we sometimes forget about the power of our words in small moments, right? We're always one moment away, one relationship, one connection away from a completely different life. And it's interesting that of all the stories that you've decided to tell, because there's a lot, there's a lot of lessons, there's a lot of stories. I'm sure there's a lot of small moments. It's interesting that that's the one that meant the most to you. You know, there was something about that moment. There was something about, you know, those words, the, the sentences that she decided to string together, the way that she communicated it with you. And I think it's a great lesson for leaders too, right? If, if you're leading people, we can't forget that our words create worlds and our words have tremendous power. And you just never know how your words are going to land with somebody else. Obviously, Georgia touched you in a way that is um, really significant. So I appreciate you just reflecting on that small moment and sharing that with the world. Um, you know, as I was watching Seven Yards, uh, you, you, you go through the, the, uh, the hospital, the, the recovery experience. I think it was seven months. Is that right, Chris? Yeah. And then you decide, which is crazy to me, you decide to go back to college. So you, you go back to college, you return, and everybody thought that was you know, kind of an interesting decision, right? Because there was so much that you were struggling to do just mm -hmm. in everyday life. And then you're going to go back and enroll in classes and 
go be a normal student again, right? And the most touching part for me, one of, I shouldn't say the most, because the most touching parts at the end, but one of the most touching parts of the documentary is the way that your friends rallied around you when you went back to school. Um, I would love for you to talk to our listeners about that experience. And then also just what you learned about the value of true and real friendship in that season of your life when you returned to school. Yeah, to get back to school was a big decision because I was um, full go on my recovery. And how can I maximize this? Well, it was really important, obviously, especially my family. Like, Chris, you got to get a degree still while you work on your recovery. We got to also do your education. So thankfully, they really pushed me to do this. And a big um, reason why I did go back to campus was because of my older sister, Alex. She actually relocated to live in a nearby apartment just off campus so that she could help with this huge transition. So she was there to drive me to doctor and therapy appointments to get me to and from class, get me in bed and up in the morning among so many other tasks. She had just got her bachelor's in nursing and put her life on hold to help me as I was living in this apartment style housing on campus with some of my college football buddies. And then these guys would do a lot of the same tasks that she would do. And they would even sleep with me at night because I had no way to adjust my arms, my legs, or my blankets when I have these body spasms. So it was a whole team effort. And then as time went on, the guys kind of took on more and more responsibilities away from my sister. But I don't know, these guys had just kept showing up. And that was one of the most powerful things I noticed about um, the people who were the, the best friends to me were the ones that they didn't have these special words that they said to me, but they were just there. And I knew that I could count on them. I know there was a lot of my really good friends and some of my best friends today who were scared to show up because they didn't know what to say. They were scared about how could they make an impact and just that fear, that doubt just kept them at a distance initially. And I get where they're coming from. I'm not shaming them in any way, but I only share that because when someone's going through a life altering event, some huge transition, uh, an adversity, don't worry about the perfect words. Just show up, let them know you are there and you're willing to help. And that's what my buddies kept doing for me. And I slowly got more comfortable trusting them. And I can remember one moment in particular. It was the first week back on campus after my injury. My buddies were taking me to this riverbank where the entire football team was meeting up. I was so excited to be out of the hospital with my friends after nearly a year of missing out. I got a guy pushing my chair. I had people pulling my chair just to get through the underbrush of the forest. But then we come to a stop. It's a six-foot drop into a ravine. My heart sank because there's no way I'll be able to get through this. And um, just, I just had fear I would miss out on experiences like this. And so with disappointment, I tell them, take me back to my room and leave me there so you guys can still go. Well, one of them suggests carrying me down in my wheelchair. No way. I'm not going to put my life in the hands of a 19 and 20 year olds. 
I would have no way to break my fall or do anything to help myself if one of them lost their footing or grip to completely depend on someone else besides myself or physical therapist was too scary. Well, more guys showed up. They said the same thing. We can do this. We can carry you down. And we kept going back and forth. And eventually I caved. We assembled the biggest guys on the team. No scrawny kickers allowed. Everyone got in position. And they, my heart was racing at this point. And they all counted. Three, two, one, lift. Before I knew it, I was on the ground safely. It was so easy for that. It was so easy. And to think, like, I was ready to turn back. And it's hard to put into words what it's like to go from lying motionless in the hospital to then being lifted down a six-foot ravine in the forest with your friends. Because, again, I can vividly remember listing through all those activities I love to do and thinking, man, I will never experience them again. Mm. And I was right about one thing. You know, it is impossible for me to do on my own, but with a team, it's all possible. I've gone on to do traveling and go to every friend's house, snorkeling, scuba diving, skiing, like you name it. Like I've not been held back from those activities that I feared I would miss out on, but I could have only done it with a team and the truth is you can only go so far in your own but society kind of encourages its lone wolf mentality making you feel you got to do everything yourself well it's just not the case like we all need that support of a team every once in a while and that's what these guys were for me and they kept breaking these barriers and opening my eyes to the possibilities of where i could go with a team well, our, our good friend, John Gordon, always says that a connected team is a committed team. And you had a connected team around you. I mean, literally, imagine being 18 years old. If you're listening, imagine 18 years old and you've got people sleeping in your bed with you. You have friends that are that committed, that connected, that they're willing to sleep next to you so they could scratch an itch or reposition your body in the middle of the night. Like, I mean, literally that part of the documentary just made me emotional. I started thinking about friends that have gone out of their way to care for me and be there for me. And I wasn't in your situation, but man, we all go through stuff. And so um, I hope that this conversation serves as a reminder to thank the people in your life that were there for you in the Valley. And if somebody's in the Valley right now, I hope Chris's story also gives you a sense of urgency to reach out to somebody and show up. Like Chris said, just show up for them, be there for them. Don't ask how you can help, just help, just dive in, just get involved. Um, there's so many life lessons Chris, in following your journey and watching your journey, one of those is conquering fear. And I know there was a lot of fears that you had to conquer, but one of these fears was facing this fear of, of dating, of, of, you know, meeting someone and thinking about marriage. And I think that's a fear for every 18 year old in general, let alone dealing with your circumstances. Right. And um, God answered some of your prayers. Uh, you attacked that fear head on. Can you tell us about uh, meeting Emily for the first time and how God, you know, answered that prayer in your life? Yeah, for me, with physical challenges, you know, there's a lot of fish in the sea, they said, but, you know, with a, an injury, you just got your sea a little smaller because, yeah, you could tell, you know, certain people who were willing to, you know, go through this, the extra layers of, I don't know, inconvenience 
with you when it comes to a wheelchair. Emily is just one of those special souls that just wants to get to know you for who you are and nothing superficial. Uh, just go straight to the heart. We met online and I quickly could tell she was different. She was asking me questions like, how'd you maintain a positive attitude after your injury? Just questions that were deep that my closest friends wouldn't even feel comfortable asking. But she just had such a curious spirit and that just drew me to her and made me feel open and honest and, and vulnerable with her. And that connection just kept going on. Eventually, she said she was going to be at Iowa State University moving in. And when I got that text, I started calling all my friends who go to Iowa State University and asking them, hey, can I come over this weekend? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. And then I text her, oh my gosh, I'm going to be at Iowa State University too. <laughs> and so we, we meet up in a, a public spot at the, the Superdog stand, actually, in particular for all those Iowans who, who understand Ames. But uh, I remember her crossing the street. My jaw dropped. I couldn't believe how beautiful she was. So I'm trying to keep it together, act like I've been there before. And we just had a great conversation. She wanted to get to know me for you know who I was and didn't care about my hands or my legs or anything to do with my chair. She's a special person and it just grew. So this new chapter begins with Emily and you guys start dating and you fall more in love and, and you decide that when you get closer to the end of college, Chris, that you're going to take on your next big challenge, the new chapter, right? A new opportunity presents itself. You declare, you decide that you're going to walk at your college graduation. And I want to, I want to just let our listeners in behind the scenes. And, and I'd love for you to kind of unpack this journey because this, this in and of itself is a journey. You actually go away. You, you, you head out of town and you spend time training to walk across the stage 4,800 hours go into this experience to walk across the stage at your college graduation. And Emily is there by your side through the entire thing. Can you walk us through that season and that chapter of your life? Yeah. What was really neat was I had this goal to walk across the stage, but it wasn't at first something that I was completely declaring to everybody. It was just something kind of between me and some friends. And then when I told Emily about it, she got really excited about it. All of a sudden, my goal and dream became her goal and dream. She wanted to see me succeed. And so she became honestly my toughest trainer, not exaggerating. She was always pushing me to take one more step, do one more walk, and really wanted to just see to be successful. Well, she discovered a, a training facility out in Michigan. So we relocate to Michigan just to train for this walk. Eventually, Emily would even be the one that I could walk the best with over any trainer. We just were in so sync. Then uh, the day before the graduation walk, too, I decided to propose to her, um, which I was way more nervous for the proposal than the walk in front of thousands of people. Thankfully, she said yes. Otherwise, <laughs> the next day would have been really awkward. But uh, I don't know. It's just a, a goal that was in my heart and I don't, I can't explain it, but it was just like a God thing of just pulling at me, like keep going, keep pursuing this because there are plenty of times when I'm asking myself, 
why am I doing this? This is insane. I'm putting all this time and effort to go four yards Mm. across the stage. Why? But I knew there was something bigger in store. I couldn't put my finger on it. I was hoping, you know what? Maybe I can make a difference in that gym that day. Really inspire people. Maybe a local news station will cover the walk. And when we get to that graduation weekend, no news station decided to come. It was Memorial weekend. They had other commitments. And so I was kind of disappointed that they weren't going to be there. But my buddy, uh, Michael Crocker, who actually flew in to film our proposal, I wanted him to film the graduation walk as well. Well, he captures that walk and it goes viral and 300 million people see it. We go on all these national talk shows. It became such a, a springboard to my motivational speaking career, my foundation. It was just a really special event that now makes sense. Well, I've seen that walk so many times, 300 million views on Facebook alone. And uh, you go from four yards to seven yards. We're going to talk about seven yards in just a little bit. Cause there's somebody listening. There's people listening. They're going, why is the documentary called seven yards? Right? So you make it four yards. Let's put an exclamation point on the story. You make it, you make it four yards, your world, your life starts to kind of evolve and blow up at that point. Right? Cause people are seeing this video. You're starting to travel. You're starting to be interviewed. You've got the speaking career that's starting to evolve. You write a book with your dad, like, Things are starting to really take off and, and you're starting to understand, okay, God's got a calling on my life. He's going to use this story for good. Did it, did it click then? Like Chris, did you start to kind of realize like, Hey, there's, there's some opportunity here to really impact people. Yeah. That's when I really put an exclamation point on it, but it was in college when I started the Chris Norton foundation and it was through the foundation where I felt a more of a calling and a meaning to my life. I also started speaking even before the graduation walk. And between those two pieces is when I really could see the, the hand of God on my story. Because when I was first injured, I was one of my questions to God. What's going on? What are you doing? You're, you're not supposed to make any mistakes. You're supposed to have plans to prosper me, to give me a hope, a, a future, um, not to, to harm me. This seems like harm. Although I wrestled with those questions, I was asking God that, I still had made the hard choice and chose my faith over fear. And it was through the foundation, through the speaking, and then with that graduation walk, just put it to another level. And it was through the graduation walk and getting messages um, all across the world. Thousands of messages were coming in through our inbox. I, I want to share a quick one in particular. A, a mom messaged me saying, her daughter was kidnapped, was gone with these the kidnaps for two years. They found her and was working through a lot of trauma through everything that she's been through. And seeing my four-yard walk gave her hope that her daughter can have a future and can get through what she's going through. When you read messages like that, mm. It's like, how can you not want to keep working hard to do your best, to share your story, to encourage others? That's the moment when Emma and I knew we have to walk seven yards down the aisle of our wedding, 
seven yards mark in seven years since my injury. And it wasn't for us because I'll be honest, we didn't want to walk for our wedding. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of extra stress wow. that we didn't want on our shoulders. And it's not important to Emily. It's not important to me that we do a symbol of walking, which I know it might not sound romantic, but we're totally fine just the way we are, how we are. But the fact that it can be a symbol for some for someone else, for perseverance and hope in someone else's life, then we got to do it. Well, there's this ripple effect um, to the actions that you've taken, to the decisions that you've made. Um, Because what happened to you is one thing, the choice to respond the way that you have is another. And all of those hours of training and the lonely moments and reading scripture and crying out to God, I mean, all that served other people. It didn't just serve you and your recovery, it served others. And it served me today. I mean, again, I, I think I told you this at the beginning of the show, like, I've spent time reflecting today. This is the only time I've ever cried on a podcast. It's never happened to me before. Uh, but you really touched me today, man. You've really touched me. And um, I know that you've touched the lives of some really important young people in your life. And you and Emily made a decision to become foster parents. And um, there's, there was there's several moments, again, in seven yards that really touched me. Watching you with your kids and thinking about the ways that God prepared you to be a parent and prepared your heart and Emily's heart to care for those children, given your circumstances and what you've been through. I would love to hear from you, what those kids mean to you and how your journeys affected your ability to love them and embrace them. Yeah, when Emily uh, brought on this idea of foster care, I'll be honest, I didn't really know much about the foster care system, but uh, she encouraged me and knew that I was capable of being a good dad because you know I was unsure. Am I ready? Am I fit? to be a dad, am I qualified? And something I've learned is that, you know, God doesn't call to qualify. He qualifies the call. And I felt that I had love to give. And Emily knew that. And that's what these kids need. They need a loving, stable home. That's when they just start to thrive. Because when they come in, when you first get a, a little bit of information on one of these kids, you get their background, you get their behavior. And and things that have not gone their way. But then you put them in an environment where they're cherished, they're made to feel they're special, loved, chosen. All of a sudden, you forget all those things. They, they're not of their past or their behavior, their choices. They're, they're all special. They're all unique and amazing. And we went into it thinking, we are going to be the blessing to them. They've been the blessing to us. We have fostered 18 children in all. We've wow. adopted five now, and we're hoping to adopt a six here very soon. I'm really hoping uh, we get word about that. Then we're also co-parenting a seven-year-old currently. Uh, we used to foster him in the past, but so seven kids currently in our care. Uh, well, actually, our oldest, Whitley, she's 22. She's living in Muscatine, Iowa, actually, right now. <laughs> We'll see her next week, but six kids in the house. Well, I, I know here, here's what I, I know is happening in this moment. People have so many questions, right? They're, they're listening to this and they're thinking like, okay, number one, I don't know, how does it even work? Like, how do you have the energy and the capacity uh, to do that? Um, even if you could, you know, if, if you had no challenges, Chris, that would be a massive challenge, let alone the fact that you've had other challenges. And you and Emily have just served these kids so well. And, and so I'm going to say this because we don't have a ton of time today. 
you got to follow Chris Norton to get those questions answered. You got to hear this guy speak. You got to follow um, social media. Um, but I know the driving force behind that, Chris, is your faith. Like I know that you and Emily are very in tune with, with your faith and that God is first and foremost in your life. Um, could you share a little bit about how your faith been, has been transformed over the last decade, what God's shown you, revealed to you, what he's taught you over the last 10 years? I know. So God has always been a part of my life. My parents dragged me to church on Sundays and brought me to Sunday school and did the F- FCA growing up, but it was never something I had a relationship with God. It was if I really needed something, then I would pray to God. Then my injury happened. I was so used to those first 18 years of life doing things on, on my shoulders. Like, I got this. I will take care of it. Kind of this independent mind. And for the first time, I had to truly depend on God because everything around me was falling apart. Even the, the medical team was bleak about my chances of a recovery. That's when I had to completely turn to God, give it all to him, and please carry me through this. And it was through God, through my parents reinforcing those messages that gave me this light at the end of the tunnel that, you know what, with God, you know, all things are possible. So maybe this is possible. And I, I leaned into that. I kept believing and that really helped carry me through my darkest moments. And that's when I really started to grow faith and got a relationship, giving thanks and appreciation for all that I do have. The, my injury reminded me to appreciate the little things and to look for the blessings in your life, to appreciate every bit of movement, every relationship, all opportunities. But that just has grown and it's led me to um, Emily and then yeah, fostering and adopting and trying to serve others and just live like Jesus did. I, that's the best, uh, my, my hero, right? To try to live a life like him and serving others. And your life is as rich as the lives you enrich. Your story is such a blessing. You are a blessing, man. Your friendship's a blessing. This episode, this conversation's a blessing. And I know that you've touched a lot of people and helped a lot of people over the last 40 minutes of recording this podcast episode. And I just want to speak this to you, brother, and I want you to receive it and just hear it, um, that the gift God's given you is massive. I think it's supersized. And I think it's way bigger than a stage. I think it's bigger than a documentary. Um, I think you're going to do work in this lifetime, Chris, that will rock the world. I really mm-hmm. believe that. And I think you've already done that. And I think that you and Emily are on mission for the kingdom. Um, and I just can't wait to see what you do next. Uh, I am so inspired by the person you are, inspired by your character, your posture, your perspective. And from the bottom of my heart, man, I just want to say thank you for choosing to spend some time with us and our audience, helping me grow and helping our community grow. It means a ton. Well, thank you, Joe. And I really appreciate that. And I'm living my life on, on a mission. I want to make a difference. I feel um, that calling and to use my pain for a purpose. It makes me excited to wake up every single morning uh, knowing that there's an opportunity to make an impact. And that's my driving force. 
Well, sometimes God's preparation is packaged as pain and he has prepared you for significant things, man. So um, one of the things he's prepared you for is to create a, a foundation and, and a camp and you're doing that work in a big way. Could you just give us uh, maybe the inside scoop on, on the camp? Uh, I know you're about to spend time with a bunch of campers. Tell, tell us about camp. Yeah, I cannot wait for camp. It's literally the best week of the year because we bring in um, kids with physical challenges and their families. That's parents grandparents, uh, siblings, you name it, all together, it's free, it's adaptive, uh, where kids can go zip lining, horseback riding, sports activities, that most of the time, when you're in a wheelchair, you have a physical disability or challenge, you're on the sidelines, you're watching your family, your friends, mm -hmm. all do these activities that you wish you could do. Well, this camp, you're in everything, everything is happening, for you, uh, for you to be able to do. Now, I knew we had something special when our first year doing this camp at the very end last night, this boy, uh, he starts crying. He's nonverbal. Uh, he's in a power wheelchair. And I asked his mom, why is he crying? And he had told her through his computer device in the room that he's so sad thinking about leaving camp. In all of his friends. And that moment, I break down crying. Uh, it makes me, it, I tear up now just thinking about it, uh, knowing just the impact of the community that's formed during these four days. I'm just really thankful that, you know, we're able to make it free for everyone through the foundation. It's just a special special week with all these people together. That's amazing, man. Talking about paying it, paying it forward. Um, and how about the foundation? Anything that you want listeners to know about your foundation or what you're up to there? Yeah. I mean, we're hoping to continue to grow the found uh, the camp uh, itself, but we're also um, give um, grants to organizations that are helping with the, the rehab for those with neurological disorders. So we're trying to strengthen the recovery options because, uh, Thanks to the equipment I, would, I had access to when I was injured, I was able to make the most of my recovery. And I want everyone to have that opportunity and not let finances get in the way of that. So we're just trying to strengthen the rehab landscape alongside having these camp opportunities to just really empower people to see all the possibilities of their life, regardless of your physical condition. Because something that I've, under, I've learned is that happiness is not measured in steps. There are people who can run, jump, and swim who are unhappy. So clearly happiness has nothing to do with your physical abilities and everything to do with your mindset and perspective. I refuse to allow what I can't do paralyze me more from what I can do. You know, I have struggles like everybody else, but I've just learned how to deal with them and cope with them. As a result, I have a positive attitude. I just want everyone to know that being in a life you know, in a wheelchair is not a life sentence of doom and gloom. You can still have an amazing life right where you are, no matter you know, what you're going through. Well, I know there's a bunch of people that want to hear more from you, Chris, um, your perspective, your positivity, your energy. And uh, I got to say this, man, you're, you're one of my favorite follows on social media. Um, and part of the reason I like to follow you actually is you're just goofy. You just do funny things. Uh, you're, you're kind of a goofball with your kids. 
Okay. And I think it's, it's actually been part of your approach, right? I mean, it's part of what makes you effective in reaching people. I think you're most authentic um, and, and you're, most, uh, you're most effective when you're most authentic, right? And you're just authentic. And so um, where can people find you on social media if they want to engage with you? Yeah, my social handle is Chris A. Norton 16. It's Instagram. It's probably my most used and Facebook. I also have a newsletter through my, my website. You can go to Chris Norton org to learn about the foundation, my speaking, the books, the film. But those are the places I would recommend going. I'm, I'm exploring TikTok. I've been having some fun with the <laughs> nice. video that we are referring to. I've been having some fun, goofy videos with my kids on that thing. But um, no, I'm just trying to stay engaged and touch uh, with people and just have fun with life. Yeah, man. Well, keep being you. Uh, keep giving away your gifts. Keep being a goofball. You're such a blessing and uh, you'll continue to be one of my favorite follows on social media, but more importantly, you're going to continue to be a really good friend. So thank you, brother, for just being you. Any, any final thoughts, anything you want to leave our listeners with before we turn you loose? I mean, I think I, I think I said it all. I, I just really appreciate this opportunity, Jordan, talk with you and I get to know you more. And I just hope people keep going, even if they don't know where they're going, just take one step in front of the other and, um, just let that progress, that momentum carry itself. And it just starts today. Uh, your future will take care of itself when you take care of today. Your future will take care of itself when you take care of today. Let those words ring true in your life. Chris Norton, love you, brother. Thanks for being you. Thanks for spending time with us. Thank you, Jordan. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and we want to give our sincere thank you to Chris Norton for your time, your energy, your compassion, your authenticity. Thanks for being who you are. And thank you for sharing your story and your words of wisdom with the Montgomery Companies community. If you're listening, we would love it if you would subscribe, if you'd share, if you would like this podcast in an effort that we might move our mission of impacting more people forward. Thanks for listening. Stay blessed, keep attacking, and have a powerful day.